Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. A nationally recognized advocate and leader for the advancement of music education, Scott Sheehan is a director of bands and music department chairperson at the Hollidaysburg Area Senior High School in Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania, where he directs the Symphonic Wind Ensemble, Concert Band, Jazz Band, Marching Band, and teaches AP Music Theory, Fundamentals of Guitar, and Rock, Rap, and Revolution. Hollidaysburg has been named one of the best communities for music education in the United States by the NAM Foundation for the past eight years under Scott's leadership. In addition to his duties at Hollidaysburg, Mr. Sheehan was a finalist for the 2019 Grammy Music Educator Award and is an educational clinician for Con Selmer. He's also a consultant for strategic planning and association development. As the president of the NAFME Eastern Division from 2015 to 17, Mr. Sheehan served on the National Executive Band and Executive Committee. He is currently the program chair for the NAFME All National Honors Ensembles. As an active member of the PMEA, Scott has served as state president, as well as district president and curriculum and instruction state representative. He coordinates the PMEA Leadership Academy, serves on the PMEA Mentoring Program Steering Committee, and is chair of the PMEA Model Curriculum Framework Project. Scott holds a BS degree in music education and a BM degree in music marketing from Clarion University and holds a master's degree in music education from the Penn State University. Scott and his wife Amy are the proud parents of their daughter Ellie. So this podcast is a very special episode for me. Uh, it is the hundredth episode of Profiles in Teaching with Music Technology. I'm thrilled uh, that I got to this uh, this number is a little nice little milestone, and and the ninety nine educators who I've uh, interviewed up until this point have all been absolutely wonderful in giving of their time. For the hundredth episode, I thought I'd do something a little bit special, and I reached out uh, to my good friend, music educator and NAFME president Scott Sheehan, uh, to join us for the hundredth episode. I figured getting a, a music education dignitary on would be something uh, nice to celebrate. So, Scott, thank you so much for doing this for us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, Re really, my pleasure and honor, Jim. I, I appreciate you thinking of me. You got it. So, Scott, I believe I met you probably 15, 16 years ago. I was doing a a district PD. I think it was in your school in Hollidaysburg, uh, Pennsylvania. I remember driving out there. It was snowing um, and meeting you. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a while ago. Uh, and, yes, I do. Uh, and, you know, it's been really cool. Um, you know, whenever you meet a, a like-minded music educator, you kind of remember them. And, and I've always uh, remembered you and seen you at, at PMEA events. And I and and watching you 
um, kind of progress through the NAFME leadership thing has been really uh, just wonderful to see. And before we get into the whole what your role is at NAFME, what I start every podcast out by asking is is kind of going over your career path. Um, you know, from when you first said, hey, I think I might want to do music up until your current gig in, you know, like the five to 10 minute thumbnail sketch. And, and it, you know, the reason I do this um, and as a hundredth episode, it's kind of good to let people know why on earth do I ask these questions is I think many music educators think that their journeys are unique and solitary because of the way our jobs are. We, we kind of, we don't ever talk to many other music teachers in our schools uh, that we teach in. Sometimes we're the only one. So I think it's really nice to hear others' journeys as well and, and kind of reflect on your time. And, and so if you wouldn't mind doing the, doing the, uh, the you know, the, the tracing that, uh, tracing your career path would be great, Scott. Sure. Well, I started playing trumpet in fourth grade because my dad played the trumpet. I can remember being a really young kid, maybe five, six years old, and he'd get his trumpet out. And he, he had not played at all after high school, but he would get his trumpet out every once in a while. And then sometimes I'd ask him to get it out. And he could still remember a few of his little fight songs and things like that from school. And I just I thought that was the neatest thing. So that's why I picked the trumpet. And that's what really got me involved, you know, in, in grade school. And so fast forward, you know, I'm in high school and I, and I can remember this day, Jim, like it was yesterday. It was so profound. I wanted to be an architect and I had every intention of, you know, going into architecture, engineering or something like that. I've always been somebody that likes sort of uh, the way things work and trying to figure out, you know, structures and organization of um I, I don't know, like design, I guess you could say. And, and so that's where I was headed. And fast forward, I'm a junior in high school. I'm sitting in my band room playing my trumpet and we're playing on an American spiritual by David Holsinger. I will never forget that piece or that or that day hmm. because I re we'd rehearsed it a whole bunch. And but that particular day, it was a Tuesday. It was in March. I remember, you know, so much about this day that. It was the first time I had had what I call you know, like a significant out-of-body music experience where just the way the band was working and the climactic moment was coming up. It was just this rush that came over me. Absolutely took my breath away, you know, almost literally, although I was playing the part, you know. Right. And, and um, it was like the, the roof came off of the building and the sun shone down at all, you know, right. like that, that amazing <laughs> moment that just sent chills up my spine. And I thought, this is the best feeling I have ever had in my life to this point. And, and honestly, as profound as it was, there are a few feelings that I've had since then. Like, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it was just it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And I walked home that day and I was sad. I was sad that that feeling was gone and it was over. But I was also, you know, incredibly intrigued and, and inquisitive. Why, why did that happen? And what was that? And oh, my gosh, like what what's going on? I told my parents about it and I said, I, I think I might want to be a music teacher. And my, my mom's jokes, she's like, oh, you want to be a magician? You could do tricks. That's good, Scott. You know, I said, no, I want to be a musician. I want to be a musician. And, and, uh, and so I, I went and talked to my band director the next day. I said, oh, my gosh, like this whole thing happened. And, you know, tell me, you know, what, what was that? And he said, Scott, it's the power of music. He's like, music can make us feel all kinds of things. And when you really connect with it. And so from that day, I have never looked back a single yep. moment that I knew that was what I was meant to do. I found my purpose. That's awesome. And I just, that was it. You know, I never, and I've never regretted that. You know, I know there's, you know, my friends that are 
doctors and attorneys and all those sorts of things. And, you know, and I have friends that drive trucks and do construction and all that sort of thing too. And, you know, I, I really do believe we, we find our purpose in life, but for me, it was a specific day in a specific way. And uh, from there it was, you know, on and on, you know, went to Clarion University and did my undergrad, but because my parents had concerns that I would never be a successful band director or find satisfaction, I have a degree in music marketing as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> So they they said, all right, Scott, you know, we, we want you to have a backup just in case. And and back then the job market was a little different, I will admit. Yep. Um, but uh, anyhow, so I, I did uh, two bachelor's degrees while I was at Clarion University, one of the state schools in Pennsylvania. Got my first job uh, teaching at Bald Eagle Area High School, which is uh, in Center County, about 20 minutes outside of uh, Penn State University, but a rural school. You know, I would call it you know, a small school. And um, at that program, I walked in and the band director was leaving, you know, gave me the keys and we met for lunch. And he said, Scott, you have 30 kids on the roster. He said, I, I wish you well. He said, the biggest this band will ever get is 50 or 60 kids. He said, it's just not a community that supports music. And I said, oh, OK, you know, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And, you know, I'm right out of college. And I showed up for my first rehearsal with the kids in the summer and 13 kids showed up and we had a parade the next day. Oh, my. <laughs> and it wasn't 13 kids who were like, you know, the gung-ho band kids. This was 13 really sad kids who were not, you know, they, they were embarrassed. Right. And, you know, I just like, wow, what what did I just <laughs> sign <laughs> up to here? But, I, but we built, you know, and it's always, always, always been about the students. And so that first year, we ended up fielding 75 kids on the field, and we had lots of pizza parties, and the parents were – so excited that, you know, whatever I asked for, they would just figure out. In fact, they, they took the whole band, all 75 of us to Disney World for free that year, the boosters. Oh, my. That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. And the, because, you know, that they had this this reserve because of the attitude of the previous director, you know, that was like, well, you know, this is as good as it gets. And so <laughs> they had this reserve and they're like, we're all going to Disney World. We're going to celebrate. And, you know, this is a new era. And I thought, wow, OK. So I spent eight years there and uh, it, it was fantastic. Uh, we, we built so many amazing experiences for the students. We had, we hosted Maynard Ferguson before he passed. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, we had the Stan Kenton alumni band. I had hosted PMEA festivals. Um, we did all sorts of uh, really exciting uh, things at that program. And when I left there, there were 188 kids in the band. That's awesome. 13, and, 180. Yeah, yeah. And I was there eight years. And, and I wasn't really looking to leave, I'll be honest with you. I really enjoyed my time there and had a lot of opportunities. I got involved, you know, and we'll talk about the leadership path, but I got involved in PMEA as a third year teacher. I was on the state board in PMEA as a third year. I was very young. I got asked to to get involved there. So that's kind of been along this trajectory of being student centered and trying to build um, based on the culture of wherever I'm at. Um, that 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 leadership component has been kind of alongside that uh, throughout. But um, so now I'm at Holidaysburg and I've been in year 19 at Holidaysburg. And I came here um, mostly because it was closer to my parents uh, and a little bit closer to my family. At the time when we moved, my daughter was two. Mm. And, um, you know, so it was just being a little closer to Grammy and Pappy and that sort of thing is what got us here. And, yep. um, and it was an hour closer uh, for my wife to her family. She's from Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, and here I have had, you know, great opportunities as well, uh, personally, but also, you know, I, we've tried 
to to give the students you know out, outstanding uh, opportunities in a variety of ways and and uh, we've done some really neat things that I think are are cool and I you know there's a lot there that I could dig into but just for the time I'll say that again that we try to be as student centered as possible and um, trying to make sure that that the students have a, a voice in our program and trying to and and as as time has gone on and I know we're going to talk about technology here in a little bit too is trying to, how do we reach more students? Yeah. How do we how do we get access to more students? Uh, not necessarily because they don't have an opportunity, but because are we relevant and are they choosing to be in the classes that we offer? So now we have uh, two levels of guitar. We're working on, on adapting one of those for modern band. We have a class called Rock, Rap, and Revolution that I teach. I love that class. Oh, cool. Great name. Such a, neat, such a neat course. We're working on a songwriting class to go hand-in-hand hand with our Intro to Theory class. And, of course, we have AP Music Theory. Um, you know, that's been here. That was part of the program when I came. And then a variety of, of ensembles, large, small. Uh, some of them are student-led. Those are my favorite to see the jazz combo get themselves together or, or a rock band get themselves together after school and hey Mr. Sheen is it okay if we use the band I'm like sure absolutely you know it's just those are the things that are exciting to see when the students have the investment and the interest to to be in the room and be in the space and and want to um, you know take advantage of the skills that they're gaining through the through our program so so that's you know like I said I could give you a lot more that we do here but uh, that that's kind of the the quick version of the story of of how I got to where I'm at. Well, it it sounds like you have a very well-rounded music program and kind of what what I would say just listening to it is the kind of dream offering to get as many kids under the music tent as you can in your school. Is that fair to say? We're trying. We're trying. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're by no means perfect. And when you look at some of the national statistics, you know, I think we're above average in, in many ways. But at the same time, we're not at 100 percent either. Right. And, right. Yep. You know, and that, so there's there's always more to do. And as I told you, we're we're working as a team. And that's one of the things that in both Bald Eagle and my first job and here is I've been very, very fortunate to work with colleagues who are like-minded, who are student-centered, who want to work together um, to build what we can build, what's best for the students. So when I talk about trying to get this modern band program a little bit more established, we were talking about how we have a band track and a choral track and a an orchestra track, you know, from elementary to middle school to high school. Uh, I said, we, we need a popular music track, yep. just, just in the same way. And that can include things like songwriting and modern band, and and other um, the rock rap and revolution class and so some of the other and I don't mean when I say other to other them you know that they're not important but to give that popular music track an equal voice and you know and then would come things that I would love to pick your brain about like uh, sound production and audio engineering and things like that that I think would really draw in more students so we're working there but as you know things takes time takes time and I've been on the road a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a perfect segue into, you know, you are the president of NAFME and it's a, a, a two year term, I assume. Yes. Um, and so are, you're in you're you're like how far into your you're your first year, right? No, this is year two already. Oh, this is year yeah. two. Wow. About six months left. Yep. So I got to ask, like, how on earth do you do, <laughs> you know, um, what is your role exactly? Like, what what do you do? I know that I see your name on lots of conference programs for keynote addresses and, 
you know, what, what is your role and, and how on earth did you get, I mean, did it, was it through PMA, PMEA that you got involved? I mean, cause you were like Eastern division president, I think I've, I've, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. Why don't you tell us about your role and, and how you got involved? I'll start with how I got involved. And I, I mentioned that I was a third year teacher and I got a phone call from a colleague and said, we're looking for somebody to get involved with PMEA. And would you be willing to be on the ballot for district for president? And, you know, I, I didn't even know what that really meant. I had taken my students to festivals, but I didn't really know what a district president did. And so I talked to my wife and, and she's like, hey, if they think you're going to do a good job, go for it. If that's something you want to do, you know, because I've always, always, always cleared things with my wife. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so yeah. and, you know, I, I, I truly, totally uh, am, am truly, truly blessed with a great support system from my family. So got very involved with PMEA at a young age, uh, was a district president, got involved with curriculum, was on the curriculum committee, uh, mentoring, got involved with mentoring. And then I was asked to run for state president. And so I was uh, PMEA state president uh, and pretty young in my career, pretty early on. I, I had already made the transition to Holidaysburg, but I want to say it was around year 10 that I was the state president, maybe 12 or something like that. And then um, from there, you know, it's one of those things where you do a good job and people notice the job that you do and you get asked for, you know, to be given another opportunity. And all the way along, again, I've just always been um, humbled by the fact that other people would would think of me in that way. And, you know, of course, as I said, you know, my family has always been behind me and, you know, I had a daughter in the midst of all that and and so on was trying to do a master's degree at Penn state during, during <laughs> my PMEA presidency. And, oh you know, so lot, lots of, lots of help along the way, certainly. Um, and at the Eastern division, I was asked to manage the all national honors ensembles. And so that was a big, big pr program that, that NAFI ran for about 12 years. And so I was very fortunate because of that experience, I started to meet people from all over the country, you know, and um, and, and was able to connect with leaders and, and state presidents and all that sort of thing from all over the country to the point where when it came that term was over and they asked me, you know, would you consider being on the ballot for national president? And I was like, wow, you know, wow. <laughs> really. And, and I'll say this and I say this a lot, Jim, because it, it, as I look back now. I recognize that I have had incredible privilege to be given these opportunities to serve for music education. And I've tried to make the most out of every opportunity, um, not necessarily for myself, but for those that we serve, for our members, for students across this country, for, you know, now in my role in NAFME, for um, marginalized populations, you know, NAFME, and we can talk more about this, but you know, NAFME centers equity and music education on our new strategic plan. And, and what does that mean? And how do we do that work in a way that is authentic and in a way that is not top-down driven, where NAFME says you should do these sorts of things, or Scott Sheehan says, you know, this is equity or this is, you know, this is what you should do, but in a way that is you know, authentic to this, the context and, and the culture of, of wherever you're at, you know, whatever school system or state or, or uh, you know, association. And, and I I say all that because, uh, as I said, I, I recognize that, you know, people that get to serve as a state president or a division president or, or certainly the national president, it's a very, very small list of people that have had the, the privilege to, to sit in these seats and, and serve in this capacity. And 
it, it's something that I have tried, I am trying now to do is to create more opportunity and more pathways to open more doors and, and have more on-ramps, as we say, you know, into leadership. And I'm excited because a lot of states are doing young leaders programs. And I know Pennsylvania has a great a leadership academy for people that just want to get involved and want to know more and want to connect and want to and we truly want to serve for the right reasons because it's mission driven. And that's the the part that I think is is just critical. You know, if you're if you're trying to get into leadership because you want, you know, you, you think you're going to get a raise or you want to put your name in lights, you want to get your book published or whatever it is. To me, that's the wrong reasons, you know, and I, I just I just put it out bluntly. I think those are the wrong reasons to get involved that when it's when it's really, truly about service to our profession, because we know the difference that music makes for for a person in their life. And through music, we get to make society a little bit better. That's pretty exciting to me. And, and I really recognize that that as a um, huge responsibility, you know. Yeah. So with that, I'll, I'll segue just for a quick minute about, you know, what is it the national president does? And you, like you said, I do travel. I travel to as many state conferences as I can. Unfortunately, a lot of them overlap. So I can't get to all 50 state people always say, are you going to get to all? I'm like, no, I wish. But um, I'm out a lot on the road. I also am the board chair for the national executive board for the national association. Oh. So we meet, we, you know, we're setting policy, strategic directions, all those sorts of things. We're trying to be as responsive to the, to the profession and our members. You know, I oversee, oh my goodness, so many committees. Uh, and it's not that I necessarily when I say oversee, I'm involved in the conversations. I'm not necessarily you know, chairing of those committees or anything like that, but there's a lot of work that NAPME is doing right now in small schools. We want to talk to you more about AI. Um, that's something that we're very interested yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we just launched this um, blueprint for strengthening the music teacher profession, which was a huge document that we could talk about another time. But I strongly encourage listeners to check it out because it's talking about the teacher shortage and how we need to um, expand our workforce to be more representative of the students who are in today's classrooms. And there's all kinds of challenges that we're aware of, but there's also in this report mitigation strategies to try to make a difference. And some are short term, some are long term. So great report, the blueprint. Um, so there's all kinds of initiatives that, I, that I'm working on um, as my seat as national president uh, with, with those sorts of things. And then there's, you know, trying to balance all that with the day job. And, and I, I just am super blessed here at, at Holidaysburg with my colleagues that are super, super supportive. Um, all of my music colleagues here, the marching band staff that helps out in the fall for these last few years. Um, you know, my family, my administration, I'm, I'm really blessed. And everybody says, well, how do you do it? Well, I have a really great friend. I'm going to name him by name here. It's Jerry Berry is his name. He retired a couple of years ago. We play in a brass band together. I still make music as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, he is my, my day-to-day -day sub when I'm on the road for now. Oh, that's awesome. Really blessed to have him. So yeah, so there you go. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's rare to find a substitute that you trust uh, and that you um, know will do a good job and that the kids like. So that's that That's the secret. I get it. All right. I appreciate that very much, Scott. Sure. Uh, and, and there is so much to unpack with what you've said. Uh, and I, and I'd love to try to um, replay the whole conversation. But I think one of the reasons why I've, I've always followed your career with a great deal of respect, uh, and I only met you, you know, for a couple hours one day, and then I've, I, we've bumped into each other at conferences, is that 
it you you ooze student centered students first like that is your that is you know everyone that knows you knows that it's all about the kids and it's not about the ego um and i think you're 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 spot on in terms of leadership and the right reasons to do things and the wrong reasons and uh it's wonderful that you have that community in Hollidaysburg that that's supporting you because I'm sure they know that you are doing the entire nation uh, good uh, and that you're the you know the specialness that they have every district that has a great music teacher like you knows that they have that great music teacher and I've always felt that they kind of are fearful of losing them um, and so when when you have the opportunity to because for me the reason I left teaching was that I felt I had a higher calling and that I wanted to train as many music teachers as possible in music tech and that my my job at in franklin lakes i was kind of pushing the the patience of my superintendent with how many days i'd be out um and so i i said you know it was a very tough decision to make the jump but um i i, I applaud you and i think um i think nafmi's very lucky to have you uh, as the president and uh, and your students and your community is very lucky to have you at the same time uh, teaching. And I'll say one quick thing I want to cut you off. I'll just say this. I'm the first person in decades to be a practicing PK-12 music educator that's also the NAFME president. Um, and I don't mean that to like gloat or to you know lift it up, but but there's definitely, you know, a lot of juggling that I have to do with my day-to-day -day schedule, as anyone would have in this role, certainly. Yeah. Um, but many of our presidents have either been uh, higher education professors, researchers, that sort of thing, or coming from departments of ed and, and that kind of, or uh, or some somewhere uh, music education association yeah. execs and things like that. And, um, you know, everybody, I, I really believe everybody comes at this at the right time for the right reasons. Um, and for me, I just want to comment on that, being a, a PK-12 teacher, coming on the heels of covid and knowing that what schools had gone through and as we were starting to be able to emerge back into society from COVID, that really, I think, was has been a good thing for NAFME to see that, hey, here's somebody that gets it because yeah. they're in the classroom, too. So just yeah, for what no, it's worth. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I didn't realize that it that it's been decades and it. It makes sense. And again, I, I applaud you, Scott. I'm, I'm so happy uh, to be speaking with you about all this stuff. So. Um, I've, I've answered this question many times when I've been on podcasts, so I, I thought I'd, I'd flip it around because I do think that leadership and being a music educator kind of go hand in hand. And, and a lot of music teachers may not know that they're they're incredibly dynamic leaders. They just may not know it. Um, but but how did your experience as a teacher prepare you for this this big role as NAFME president? Well, I, I really my definition of leadership, I learned a long, long time ago as do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, whether you want to do it or not. <laughs> and, you know, thank you, Tim Lotzenheiser. Absolutely. <laughs> but, Dr. You know, do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, whether you want to do it or not. And I think that's just being a good educator too, because if you're serving your students, you're doing what, what they need when they need it. And so I, I think that educate, you know, great educators are leaders and leaders are great educators at either Either way you look at it, it's a chicken and the egg. You know, yep. they both hold true all the way through. So, you know, that that's just been the, for me, that's been the same, same all the way through my life. Um, you know, I have always been one to try to leave things a little bit better than I found it. And when I say things, 
that can be students, that can be you know ensembles or groups that I perform in or that I'm you know participate in. That can be you know in, in any which way. You just want to be able to lift up the work that other people are doing and help them along the way. And I think that's what education is about. It and as I said, you know, certainly reflecting now at, at the role and the level of leadership that I've had in the, in the last couple of years at this national level, um, I think that empathy really holds true even more mm. now than ever, because we we don't know what somebody else is living and what their lives are, at, you know, and what's what so they're going. true, so true. Yeah, and we see it in our students in our classrooms, and we and I see it with with individuals and other leaders and you know we all have our challenges and at the end of the day I think we're all really trying to strive to do the best that we can do every day and I I just I really truly believe I know this sounds really sappy Jim but I really believe that we can make the world a better place wherever we're at one day at a time one song at a time one one piece of music at a time because when people are making music and experiencing music and whatever form is just true to them, they're, they're not being divisive. They're not being torn down. They're working with others or, or they're creating something beautiful that they themselves see that they want to bring into the world. And I know that sounds a little bit sappy or a little bit cliche, but I really believe that we could change the world if, uh, if more people were involved in music and, and could be part of it. And I think that that's where the teaching comes in. That's where that art and practice of um, sharing knowledge and and kind of flipping it around. T- tell me about you. Tell me about what's going on with you, so that I can better understand your situation. And that's that's what great teaching is. Yep. And then we share, we learn, and, and together we're growing. And I, I, you know, when you decide to flip that, and that you're not the sage on the stage, you know, and you and you let the students lead, and you listen, and you you learn, and then you share what you've got, and you're learning from them. It's just, it, I don't know. That's to me, that's the ultimate leadership. I, I, I it's not sappy at all, and I couldn't agree more, Scott. Um, what I'd love to do now is kind of shift the conversation um, to music tech, um, and uh, I would love to know, you know, as a as a leader of NAFME, what you think, um, as a music educator and a leader, what you think uh, music technology, what the role of it is in a uh, well-rounded music education? Well, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I could comment on here, and I'll, I'll try to keep it concise. Sorry, I know sometimes no, I no, get, no, get I, a little I, long, but... I love this. This is yeah. great. Well, I, I think that on one hand, I have, I have felt for a long time that... Um, technology is a tool, a tool to unlock learning, a tool, a tool to unlock potential. And there's so many ways that we can see technology playing out in our music classrooms, in our ensembles, and so on and so forth. And way back when, I was a Keystone Technology Integrator for for uh, Pennsylvania State Department of Ed, and I, you know, got some fancy thing because I was kind of cutting edge. And then I learned very quickly <laughs> how fast technology has changed. Mm. And continues to change. And, and I just I couldn't keep up and, and do all the other things that I was doing with some of the initiatives that PDE had here in Pennsylvania for, for the technology integration piece that they were doing at the time. And I'm sure it's all changed now. But, um, you know, way back when I felt like I was really cutting edge and on top of everything, you know, and then there was this little thing, you know, Google or whatever, you know, and all, all the crazy uh, various things. I don't want to mention any, <laughs> any <laughs> specifics, but, you know, all these different apps and platforms and such that have just coming out. Um, 
but to fast forward, you know, so today, you know, we just, as I mentioned, coming out of the pandemic, what lessons have we learned? Where do we see things now? Because we relied on technology critically to get us through the pandemic in so many ways. Yep. And, I, and I've said this on many podcasts that the music education industry and profession rallied together and produced more resources and did more good in the first two months of the pandemic than we had probably progressed in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were right there at the front of that. And yeah, we gave, we gave away a half a million accounts in one week. It was just yes. instant because we just wanted, we, we realized, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of my competitors and everyone, this was not a moment to fight with each other. This was a moment to help our core market, our, our teachers, our customers, without any money, without coming in like some kind of vulture, which I thought was disgusting, you know, preying on teachers who were like, what on earth do I do? And yeah. I, was just, I was so proud of our industry and, and my competitors for stepping up and saying, here, this will get you through the rest of the year and we'll figure it out over the summer. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there was so much good that came from that. And then as, as the health scare, you know, started to diminish and we were able to get back into schools, of course, we wanted to get back into in-person music making. Absolutely. And, you know, and that that's critical. But I think there's still a lot of really great uh, tools, as I mentioned earlier, tools to help teachers connect with students and to find the students who might not want to play in the band or sing in the choir or, or, you know, do that sort of large ensemble thing, that there are pathways to music education, to creativity, um, to all of those sorts of things through technology that, that probably didn't even exist, or at least wasn't, a, a, people weren't as aware prior to. Yeah. So uh, two other things I want to mention just in relation to all of this, you know, where are we headed and, and what comes next? I think AI is really turning turning the dime, you know, every day there's some new headline, you know, and it, and it runs the gamut, right? You know, runs the gamut of, oh my gosh, AI is going to take over the world and it's scary and, or, you know, in our world, you know, the copyright issues and all that sort of thing to, oh my goodness, this is the most creative thing in the world. And, and I can, you know, unlock my own creativity through the power of generative AI and, and all that, you know, so it runs the gamut. And right now we're just starting into some discussions about, where's the responsibility for educators in kind of uh, determining where, where those lines are, you know, uh, in terms of copyright, in terms of being res responsible uh, using, using AI in a way that is um, educationally sound and not taking away the, the rights or the um, intellectual property from somebody else. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the beginnings of these conversations that we're having and, NAFME is hoping to convene a kind of a think tank just to get us started on some of this. And I know there are others doing this, this kinds of conversations as well. And, and uh, we've been talking about how there's sort of an industry bucket, right? The people that are creating various AI products and so on in music education. And then there's the, the practitioners, the teachers in the classrooms. And then you've got the artists, you know, so that we're really kind of seeing this in three buckets. So um, I'm, anxious to get on on these discussions in the new year because it's it's some really interesting things and then and then the last thing i'll say and i'll turn it back to you because you, i'm sure you've got some thoughts here is um careers i i think that nam has put out uh, some really great resources about careers in music and the idea that what we are teaching in schools does not mean that you have to launch into a career in music education but there are many careers 
out there involving music that affect the creative industry at, at large. And, and I'm sure you're familiar, or maybe some of the listeners would be familiar with the Americans for the Arts report about the creative economy that came out. And, you know, it, it's $120 billion out there that is is being contributed to the economy. That, that might be a conservative number. I'm not even 100% sure. I don't want to you know be quoted on, misquoted on saying wrong numbers. But I just, I know that what, when we look at what technology is doing and where the careers are going to be, people who have a background in music can really unlock so much potential in, in various careers. But I see so much of it going into the industry side, into music production, audio production, that sort of thing. And I would love to see, you know, I talked about that in my own school, but I'd love to see more experiences out there for students in every school to know that they could have careers in a music industry because they're a musician and they they had experiences in their school music program. And now there's all this other that they can then create and, and be part of this creative economy that, that is so impactful on our society. So I don't know, there's probably lots that you'd love to, <laughs> to add into that, but that's no, I mean, so, so first of all, I would volunteer. I, I've, I've spent the last year obsessed with AI and, and, and looking at um, really responsible integration of AI into software and uh, trying to quell the fears of teachers who just like every tech that's come along in the last 50 years, the minute, you know, the television came along, teachers go, oh, I'm never, I'm going to lose my job. The minute calculators came along, math teachers, oh, I'm going to lose my job. And it's, it's, it's the same, you know, rinse cycle, rinse, wash, repeat. It happens over and over. Um, but there, there, I would love to be involved. I'll volunteer. I would happily come and talk to you if you're if 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 that's of interest. Um, I have uh, done quite a few keynotes addresses on AI, and uh, and people seem to like my approach because I think when any teacher listening thinking that AI is going to replace their job, just remember that companies like mine uh, and and all of my competitors. Teachers are the most important people in the world to us. We're never going to create something that gets rid of you. Um, we're only going to do something that makes you uh, makes your job easier, makes it, you know. So I have that perspective, Scott. I'd love to be involved. But the career thing that you said mm -hmm. couldn't be any more on the money, and especially with music tech. You know, I, I used to do career day for my kids. You know, they, they, they'd say, oh, uh, my dad wants to come in and, and speak to the kids for career day, just like, you know, the firefighters. And I came in as the music teacher. And I would tell, in the town that I live in, sports are everything. Um, soccer being the everything. And, you know, all these kids, I'd be like, raise your hand if you want to be a professional soccer player. And, and, and half the kids, boys and girls, raise their hand. I want to be a professional soccer player. And how many of you actually think you're going to be a professional soccer player? A couple hands go down. But then when you think about every single career that's, that revolves around making a major league soccer um, work and tick, the marketing people, the business people, you know, all of the, the, the people designing the unit uniforms, the people writing the contracts, all there's such a massive industry around music. Um, and I love that uh, you said that. I think that, you know, when I told my parents I wanted to be a music teacher, um, my my 
I, my father refused to pay for my college. He thought it was insane. He, you know, you should go into business. That's what you should do. And I was like, I want to be a tuba player. He's like, all right, then you're paying for it yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think anything that can be done to change that idea that the creative economy is massive. It's probably, you know, it's probably larger. I don't know the number, but it's huge. Uh, and, and there are a lot of people making their living uh, in, in music. That's great. Um, I'm looking at the clock thinking, oh man, I've got, I've got like a bunch more questions. So I want to make sure I squeeze them in Scott, if that's cool. Um, the, the first one, um, and as a practicing music teacher and as in, in a leadership role, I, I, I'm really interested to hear what your advice would be to other music teachers who are, you know, let's say, yeah, COVID came away and I used it. I never want to use it again. Or, or I, you know, I use little bits, uh, or they might be. March 17th, 2020, March 16th, 2020, I, every single music educator did not be, need to be convinced to use it. Um, but but post-pandemic, a lot of them have said, well, thank you very much, I'm, I'm moving on. Um, what, would you, what advice would you give to any music teacher, either coming, coming out of university uh, in the twilight of their career or somewhere in the middle uh, who are thinking of incorporating music tech into their programs? Well, uh, you started by saying, you know, my my view on students first is, is where I'm going to go with this. And that is we need to look at what's best for our students. And it doesn't matter where they are, what zip code they live in, uh, what their backgrounds are. We need to prepare them for the world that they live in right now. And technology is embedded into everything that we do. And so I think that to not embed technology is to not really think about uh, preparing our students for what what it is that they need. Now, that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater at Absolutely. all. If for me, it's all 100% a yes and. It is a yes and. Yes, I want them to play in large ensembles. Yes, I want them to have the ability to create their own ensembles and their own small groups and, and, and make music and perform and sing and learn different instruments and all those sorts of things. And I want them to write their own music and use the technology tools that can help them do that. I want them to, you know, dig in about what does that look like from a production standpoint? And what does, you know, what's the modern way of looking at sound reinforcement where it can be done from your phone? Yep. You know, all, all those sorts of things. Or, or the student that really wants to get, you know, into Fruity Loops or something really simple. Yeah, just, just to, Love it. Yeah, you know, just something really basic to get them like, wow, I can create too. I can be a creator and then maybe someday I'll be an influencer. Who knows? You know, but it's it, this is the world that we live in. And, and it's this where the world goes in another, you know, 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It's only going to continue to grow. And, you know, you read these things about how fast the Internet doubles itself, you know, and it, it's crazy. It, they talk about it. I, I was reading something here not too long ago about the rate of change. And that the internet doubles the amount of, of bits that are out there now, like every 13 days. Yep. And, and they're predicting by 2030, it'll be like 13 hours. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's just ridiculous. That's and, right, and <laughs> it really is. But, but you think about how many people, and right now I have to believe a lot of it's the younger generations that are, that are out there creating content. And if it can be creative musical content, that's bringing good to the world, you know, and even if it's because one individual finds satisfaction in the fact that they created something new and were able to share it out into the world, you know, they're, they're going to need the technology to do that. So, 
I just I, I don't see a way around it. And in terms of schools, I think it's a yes and in every way that's possible. And I will say this, too. Um, and again, this is from my own lens, my own experiences. Many times you can ask for technology and they'll say, sure, let, let's figure out a way to do this. There's grants or there's funding or we can do this. Ask for instruments or ask for a piano or ask for <laughs> Good luck. like that. And they're going to go, well, I don't know about that. But the technology side, you know, has always some, been something that's been supported. And both of the school districts where, where I've taught and I know colleagues, you know, that I've talked to across the country, it's the same way. So I, I think that that could be something in some schools, not every school, but in some schools that could be a, a way to create more opportunity and access for students. Yeah, agreed. That's great, Scott. Appreciate it very much. I've got one more question for you. And uh, again, uh, for those of you uh, that uh, Scott just finished a day's w worth of rehearsals and, and, and going all around his district. So again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to meet with us. So this last question is the magic wand question I ask everyone. And a lot of people seem to think it's a tough one, but it, I, I love getting different ideas. If you could wave a magic wand, and have music tech do something uh, that it can't do now, what would it be? It is a tough question. And I know you sent it to me <laughs> about it because, you know, and I, and I think it's a tough question because right now the tech that exists, I'm not even going to pretend to know that I know all the things that are, that are there. And I just right. got to tell you way back when I thought I was a pretty hot stuff, you know, and now, now, you know, oh my gosh, it just seems so different. So I, I can't even begin to know, you know, what all is available now. But what I really, really wish um, more than anything is that the technology could create platforms that are, you know, safe spaces for people to be who they are, to be creators that um, are kind of bias-free, if you will. Yep. yep. You know, right now, you put something out there on, on whatever channel or whatever mode. And it, you know, the, the, the world's full of cynics and critics. Absolutely. And I, I wish that there was a way that people could be free to be who they are and put their authentic selves out there in terms of their music or their creation and, and just be able to be there and exist because it's something that they, they loved and, and could create. And, and, you know, that that's coming from, you know, just, from my heart right now and that I've been, been going through and I don't know if tech can create that, but I think in terms of like the practical hands-on tools that students are using in classrooms, like I said, I don't even pretend to know all the things that are out there now, let alone what, what could come in the next, you know, three to five, 10 years. But um, I think I'm looking at this more about how can we make society better you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, you know, that's the thing about, first of all, and, and I'm sure you've had this experience, and I just want to get this in before we say goodbye. Um, there is no cooler experience that I've ever had as a music teacher than seeing a kid, a student, create something that they like. Yep. <laughs> and, that, and they look at you like, oh, my God, I made this, right? Yep. And then... They want to listen to it over and over. They want their friends to hear it. They want their parents to hear it. They want their grandparents to hear it. They, it, there's, to me, that's why I became a music teacher is that, that kind of, I, I was a dual major music ed and, and theory comp and my, the, the composing really made me feel special, if you will. Like I made something, I created something. And I think it would be wonderful to have a place where kids could 
share that and not get immediately torched by trolls, basically. And and if you put something up on YouTube, you have to turn the comments off. You know, it's just the society, you're right. Wouldn't it be nice if if there was a place where the only thing you could do was was praise or compliment rather than try to tear down? Um, I I, I couldn't agree more, Scott. Let me let me let me talk to some of my colleagues. I think that's a great (laughs) idea. I, I would love it. I would love it. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough again. Uh, your hundredth episode, a hundredth guest. Um, you, you're you're doing great work at Nappy. When is your um, term up? I will be finished on June third. And then, do you go into past president mode? Yes, two uh, years uh, continued service as the past president. I think that's going to be the best title there is. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure. But Scott, I'm sure I'll see you on the road uh, in the coming weeks, um, and and I'll be uh, I'll. I'll I'll buy a beer or a drink or whatever you like. Uh, <laughs> I really, really appreciate the work you're doing for NAFME and uh, as well as your own students. And, and I thank you very much for sharing that with us on the podcast. Wow, the honor is all mine. Thanks, Jim. All right. Take care, Scott. You too. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.